Hello, you're listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast. Whether you're at work, driving in your car, or getting your workout on, we hope and pray that what you hear today will fill your spirit. Come, join us as we walk through God's Word together. So, in Luke chapter 1, there's a story about a guy named Zechariah. He's a priest, and he's serving and while he's serving, an angel appears to him and says, hey, you're going to have a kid. Um, I want you to name the kid John, yada, yada, yada. Zechariah doesn't really believe the angel, and short version, he gets punished. Okay? And so as I'm reading the story, I want to point out two verses to you because I'm like, why didn't he believe, you know? And then you start thinking, coming up with reasons in your hair why he didn't believe. Verse 6 says, and they, they being Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. So one thing you can check off, the reason why he didn't believe wasn't because he wasn't Christian enough. The Bible tells him right then and there, they were walking blamelessly, very faithful people. And then down in verse 13, it says, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. You and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son. You shall name him John. So the other thing I saw that it wasn't like this wasn't anything he was asking for. for. For the angel to say your prayer has been heard, he had clearly been praying for this child. So here you have a guy walking blamelessly with the Lord, righteous, obeying all the commandments, and was praying for this child. And then when an angel shows him and tells him you're going to have the child, he doesn't believe it. Um, so... Just with the idea of belief is hard. Even if you're praying for something, even if you are walking blamelessly with with God, I just want to be up here and kind of be that voice. If you've never heard that from a preacher, that yes, belief is and can be hard. So that's what we're going to talk about today Um, from John chapter 20. This is the the doubting Thomas story, essentially. Um, We're going to pick up at verse 18. But up to that point, what's happened, Jesus has been killed, um, buried, resurrected. He's appeared um, at the tomb. Uh, Mary's there, and she turns around. It's you, Jesus. Uh, She's shocked, and then he tells her to go see the the other disciples. So that's where we're picking up. Verse 18, Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord. And that he has said these things to her. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the marks of the nails, place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later... His disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. 
Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus Christ is the son of Jesus is the Christ, the son of God. And that by believing you may have life in his name. Okay. Um, this may be a link because it, there's a lot of reading like that um, and a lot of examples uh, that um, I think would just be good um, because I want to be practical uh, in this sense because belief is hard. And what can easily happen is you know belief is hard, so when you're on the right track, you think you're a super Christian, and when you're not on the right track, when you're kind of going through those lows, you can, it can be really scary, it can be depressing, you can get to the point where you start doubting your faith, or am I really a Christian at all, and it can just really, really unravel. So I really want to primarily speak to that second group. Um, if you're struggling to believe, and that could just be a little thing, or it could be as far as, I'm not even sure if I believe the Bible is real, or if Jesus, anything like that. I just want to say some of these things to take some kind of some pressure off your shoulders. I may not answer all your questions, but maybe just a little bit of pressure. So just want to go through three mindsets you may be going through. The first is, I don't have faith. It's the first mindset you may be going through as you're kind of in your low. And I first heard this when I was maybe about eight years ago. I used to, for about six months, I went downtown with my friends every Friday night and we shared the gospel with people. Um, and we'd go to the food court and the mall, walk around the mall, find people. We'd go to the bus stops. We'd go on the circle. And it was incredibly scary at first to do. One, because I realized I'm being that guy, um, just walking up to random people. You have time to talk about our Lord and Savior. Um, uh, but then also, sometimes when you're in that situation, like you, you rationalize, I'll never see these people again, so it's okay. Well, I work downtown in the mall, so it wasn't like... I'll probably see you tomorrow, actually, if you can remember. <laughs> um, so it was very frightening. But I did have one guy. I remember we were sitting down at the, in the food court in front of the Taco Bell. He was a biology major at IEPUI. And he says, I don't have faith. Um, I'm just, I just not capable of doing it. And so I told him, well, on two levels, I don't think that's really possible to not have faith. Um, and in one sense, you, right, you sat down in that chair. You had no idea whether it was going to hold you up or not. Right? You didn't test it first to see if that, like you truly, you sat down in faith. But then in another sense, if you're talking about being atheist or theist, I can't, I don't have complete proof that God exists. The gap between what I know and what I choose to believe is my faith. Similar for you, you don't have complete proof that God doesn't exist. That gap between what you know and what you've chosen to believe, like, is is still a measure of faith. So what we came down to was really what he was trying to say is, I don't have blind faith. And if that may be something you're struggling with, I want to be up here and tell you, you don't necessarily always have to have blind faith. Your faith doesn't have to be based on completely nothing just because a preacher said it and you need to believe it. Um, it's all right to ask questions and want to have reasons why you do this or something like that. Right? Example. This is the beginning of John. Jesus is going around. He's kind of gathering his disciples up for the first time. He's picking them. Hey, you, 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 follow me, follow me, follow me. So I've got, he's already picked Andrew and Peter. He's going on to Philip and Nathan. Verse 43, it says, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. 
Sometimes when we read this, we kind of just in our heads, like, Jesus came up to a guy and said, follow me. And the guy was like, well, got to do it. You, you said follow you, so I'm just going to get up and, and follow you. But look what's happening. It says, now Philip was from uh, Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote. Right? So this isn't just a random dude to Philip. This is actually someone they've been expecting. This is someone they've been looking forward to. He didn't just willy-nilly follow someone. This is someone they've been studying about, reading about. This, this wasn't random at all. It was based in the idea of there's someone that Moses has written about, and we're waiting for this guy to come. We think we found him. Right? And so we, uh, where are we at? Jesus, son of, uh, son of Joseph. Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said, come and see. So even when Nathaniel hears this, he understands what Philip is talking about. Oh, you're talking about that guy we've been looking for. His real question is, is, is he really from Nazareth? Like, that's, that's his bigger issue, not that he found the guy. Um, and so Philip says, come and see. And Jesus saw Nathaniel coming to him and said, behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathaniel said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered, and before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathaniel answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. So again, even for Nathaniel, he's got like two points of reference. There's this guy we've been expecting, and he also just told me something about myself that no one reasonably should know unless they really were the guy I've been expecting. And so it's, his faith was not just like totally blind based on nothing. And so if, if, if you have questions, it's all right to ask them. A lot of times we have questions and you go to someone and they tell you, well, you just need to believe more. Um, find someone who will actually answer your question. Um, now, they, they may not know, but like it can be easy to feel like I'm stupid or I've got an issue with me for having a question or wanting a question answered. And I think we can look through examples in the Bible and see that's not necessarily the case. Specific to this story, um, Luke has another account um, of what happened when Jesus appeared to the disciples. So I'm going to pick up same spot. Jesus has risen from the dead, sees Mary, says, Mary, go tell the other disciples. See how Luke tells the story. They, they being the women, uh, remembered his words, returned from the tomb. They told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed, like, seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. Right? So our inclination reading from John is that, oh, Thomas didn't have faith. He needed proof. But the other apostles did. We can see from Luke, they, they did not believe initially, some of them, the women, when they came back and said, I saw this guy. Keep going a little further down. Two of them are walking on the road. Jesus appears to them, starts talking to them. He realizes what they're talking about. Not realizes the wrong word, but he knows what they're really talking about. And he, he being Jesus, says to them, Oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And those two, they go back, tell the other 11 what happened. 
um, skipping down. And as they were talking about these things, we're back, in, we're back in the room now upstairs. Jesus himself stood among them, said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your heart? See my hands and my feet, that it's myself. Touch and see, for spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. The pole of it all is what we can see. The other apostles, some of them, they actually needed the same thing Thomas needed to believe. Thomas just said it out loud, right? But his 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 faith wasn't really in any different place than the others. Well, what happened was the others saw his hands, Jesus' hands and his feet, eight days before Thomas did, right? And so when they go to Thomas and tell him what happened, he's like, mm, nope, uh, not buying that story. And I don't know if we really, really would have either. As someone, if you had a close friend, you saw them getting murdered, and you went to their funeral, and then someone came to you a couple days later and said, hey, I saw so-and-so walking around. You might actually be mad at them. Like, that's not funny. Why would you say that to me? You know, so he, he's not really, he's not doubting Thomas. He's just Thomas. He's just like the rest of them. And, and so for some of us, it's, it's easy for us, especially as Christians, to, to get on to someone because they're just vocalizing the same doubts that you have. They're, they're just vocalizing the same doubts that you had eight days earlier. Right, you've had some faith-building experience that they haven't had yet. Right, and that and that those eight days could be years. You know, your your faith-building experience might not have been like like one radical moment. It may have just been your childhood of 15 years of being brought to church and hearing some of these things. So I want to tell you a story just to consider the the impact of a faith-building moment. Uh, huge moment in my life. Uh, there was a time when I lost. Um, the first of many times where I lost my debit card and credit card, but I lost them at the same time. And this was before Google Pay. This was before apps had your information stored. Um, I didn't have checks, so I couldn't go to the ATM, couldn't go to the bank. I was, that was in a tough situation because I couldn't, I couldn't get any money out. And I'm like, I got gas, you know, whatever. I, I'm really good. And then I realized, how am I going to eat? Like, I've, I have no real way of getting food. And then the next day, literally the next day after this happened, two of my friends, I'm sitting in my apartment, two of my friends, Alicia and Vanessa, he just bust in the door with grocery sacks full of all my favorite foods. And he said, hey, Cleese, we were just thinking about you and thought to get you something. Threw, threw all the groceries on my couch, gave me a hug, gave me a kiss on the forehead, walked out. I'm like... What just happened? And then the next day, I had another friend who came up to me. He's like, hey, Cleese, you know, I was just thinking about you. How do you feel about going to Golden Crown? I'm like, I feel great about that. Um, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> and this, this happened every day that week. I kid you not. Someone came up to me. He's like, hey, I was just thinking about you. And they offered me a ton of food. Even that Sunday, a lady randomly that I had never spoken to came up to me. It's like, Mr. Cleese, I, I, don't even know, I didn't even know her name at the time. I asked someone afterwards. And she, I was just thinking about you, God wanted to bless you, and she put $20 in my hand. Um, and so really, by the time I actually got my credit card back, I was like, I'm better off without this thing. Really? I, I don't <laughs> um, but <laughs> 
it, tr- it, it really, and you may hear me tell that story a million times because it meant so much to me. I mean, and to this day, it means a lot for someone to buy food for me. And it means a lot for me to buy food for someone else because it was such a faith-building moment for me. And right, nothing supernatural happened. You know, if you don't believe in God, you could easily explain that as just a coincidence. Yeah, maybe. I don't think so, but maybe. Um, and, and, so, and so with that, now consider, what if I don't have friends who have money and food? What if I don't have a church family that I'm plugged into? Right? What could be a faith-building moment turns into a faith-testing moment where it's like I never got to the position where I had to decide how am I going to eat? Do I need to steal food? Do I need to do something illegal or unethical to get money so that I can have food? But plenty of other people do, right? And they may even rationalize God doesn't exist because if he did, he wouldn't have put me in this situation. Or God exists and he's cruel because he put me in this situation. Or God exists and he understands why I need to steal or why I need to do so-and-so in order to get money. Wherever you go, just, just simply the difference, not necessarily of character or faith, but not having that faith-building experience for those eight days or eight years or whatever it is can just be a huge difference in someone. And so I think for us, it's for us to have compassion when someone's vocalizing their doubts, when they're vocalizing that they haven't had those faith-building experience you've had, but also for us to be mobilized to say, I'm going to go be a faith-building experience to someone else. When you look, when you look through John, that chapter, what happens? The, the, the women at the tomb see Jesus. What do they say? Let's go tell the others. When Jesus goes and tells the others, he tells them, go tell everyone else that they can be forgiven. When John's writing this all down, he's like, you know what? I'm going to put this down so other people can know. Like, the big, like, let's go be faith-building experiences to someone else. Your faith is not for you to just bottle up, be a good person, and enjoy your nice life. So you may say, okay, cool, I'm with you. Faith doesn't have to be blind. It can have a level of evidence to it. I feel like I don't have enough evidence to make a decision and believe. And so sometimes we do that because uh, we make our, our own spiritual performance the evidence. You know, we... Well, I don't, I don't understand the Bible when I read it. That must mean God isn't real or I'm not Christian. You know, I, I've done too much wrong. There's no way. I can't see how a God would forgive me for what I've done. But when you look in the Bible, particularly follow the apostles, Jesus' disciples, his best friends, they didn't understand him, right? If, like, you, you may, if, if you didn't understand the sermon, like, I probably just said something wrong, probably something I should have said, right? But they were listening to Jesus speak himself, and they were still afterwards, hey, what did that parable mean you told, right? They, they weren't picking up what he was putting down, and they did a whole lot of stuff wrong in and around Jesus right to his face. Um, so, so don't let those things put you down and think something must be wrong with me and my faith and my doubt because I'm great and based on my own life. But I would also say to this question, this might be offensive if you're thinking I don't have enough evidence. Maybe you do. Um, And I want to give one, two, three, four four scenarios. may take a minute to go through of suggesting maybe maybe you do have enough evidence. The first, um, think about what we've talked about already. We would love to be in some of the situations Bible characters have been in. 
you know, my, my wife and I, if you know our story, trying to figure out the kid thing, been decide, should we adopt? Should we try again? We've had bad results. What should we do? And it's easy for us to just be like, you know what? I would know what to do if an angel just came to me and said, you're going to have a kid this day. Then I would know, right? But as we can see from these Bible stories, we have example after example of angels showing up to people right in their face and saying, do this, do this, do this, and they still didn't do it. It's, that still was not enough evidence for them. Even like Jonah, hey, God, God's coming up to Jonah. Go here. Do this. A lot of times I wish God would just tell me what job to take or what to do. But Jonah didn't want to do it, and so it didn't really didn't matter what evidence he had. It didn't, it didn't matter that God told him directly, go here, because he didn't want to do it. Um, and along that same track, sometimes we can just be stubborn. Uh, there's, there's an episode of A Fresh Prince uh, where Will Smith, he, um, ah, I should have this together. I believe he was trying to be, he was pretending to be his parents for a parent-teacher conference uh, for his sister. And so he dresses up like an older man, glasses, turtleneck, puts on a fake mustache. Um, and then he goes to the parent-teacher conference, and the, the teacher looks at him and says, that's a fake mustache. And he says, no, it's not. So the teacher reaches up, rips off the fake mustache, and goes, that's a fake mustache. And him, even in that moment, he still goes, no, it's not. Because, right, he's sticking to his guns. Point I'm making, sometimes we truly do that with faith and belief. We've got something that we want to believe against God, against the Bible, against Christianity. And even if someone showed us, like, proof, sometimes we'll just be like, hmm, we'll still. One of the guys that was downtown, he, he had this whole spill where the Bible wasn't written until, like, the 1400s. Um, and I, like, showed him all this stuff that was like, I don't like to say this too often, but you're wrong. <laughs> uh, and showed him all this evidence at the end. He was like, well, I don't know. I still, I don't know. I'm like, okay, I'm done talking to you. Because it, it, I see now, it doesn't matter what evidence I give you. You have made up in your mind, you don't want to believe the Bible. Scenario number three, right? You've been with some friends, and you say, hey, you want to go with me to the thing? And they say, mm, no, I want to I wanna watch this show. You say, oh, well, we're recording it, so you won't miss it. Oh, well, you know, I don't want to use my gas, but I'm driving. I'm, it's all good. Blah, 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 and, right? And it goes on and on and on. And then eventually it comes out, they're like, well, truth be told, I just really don't want to go. Or truth be told, I'm still mad at you for, from the conversation yesterday or something like that. And the reality is sometimes we're doing that with God. Right? We, we don't necessarily need more evidence. Just what the evidence we say we need, it's just like, it's like a distraction from the fact that either you don't want to believe or for good reason, you're mad at God about something. Some tragedy, some bad news, something that happened. And like this, this the, the need for evidence is a front for your real feelings that's really going on. Last scenario, someone walks up to you, say today after church, say, hey, what are you doing Thursday? Right? You freeze up. <laughs> Why? Not because they ask you what you're doing Thursday, or you don't know what you're doing Thursday. Question one, is it the issue? What's the issue? Yeah, what you want? 
question two is the issue, even though we haven't gotten there yet. And so, so we try to preview question two, like, I don't know, what's up, right? <laughs> because we know if I tell them what I'm doing, they may ask to do it with me. They say, I don't know, they might want to have dinner with me. If they might ask, if, they, if I say I'm not doing anything, they may ask me to come move furniture with them. And I, I don't want to be put in that situation. Um, and, that, and, and that's really what real belief does. Belief is a loaded word. It's more than just your opinion about something. It's what are you going to do given that information. And so sometimes we, you know, someone asks, do you believe in God? And that's, that's question one for you. Believing in God, believing in Jesus, believing in the Bible really isn't the issue. It's, it's number two, because you, you now understand the implication of believing in God or believing in Jesus or the Bible. And so it's a lot easier to just say, no, I don't believe, than have to deal with question two and the implications of, of your belief. And so I'm, I don't say that to to make fun of anyone who's in any level of doubt, but it, it is to, to, to help establish that belief is a matter of the heart. It's not so on this extreme that it's 100% baseless and blind, and it's not so on this extreme where it's a collection of evidence of a conclusion you've come to. But it, it really is a matter of your heart, right? When you look through examples of the Bible, you know, people who are seriously interested in following Jesus, they ask him for signs, they ask him for evidence, and he gives it to them. Right? Take this example, right? He, he gave Thomas exactly what he asked for. Showed up in front of him. Hey, here I am. Right? What else do you need? But when you see people who came to Jesus looking to question him and just trying to trip him up and ask for a sign, he says, I'm not going to give you any sign. So it's, it really is a matter of the heart. And so if you are in this boat where you feel like you don't have enough evidence, I, I think it'd be good for you to consider a question, and that question is, are you protecting yourself from something? What are those somethings? Maybe you're like the stubborn thing, the Will Smith situation. Maybe, right, you've popped off at the mouth, and now you don't want to go back on something you've said, right? You don't want to look wrong. Maybe you don't want to actually live by faith, because that means... You're depending on, you believe in a God, you believe in a heaven, but the Christian route, it means I'm depending on someone else to get me to this heaven. I want to I wanna have a belief system where I'm in control. I know I can do something to guarantee my spot in this heaven that I want. Maybe you just don't want to be seen as afraid or someone who doesn't have the answer, so you're protecting yourself from that. So let me instead seem smart and logical. Well, here's why I don't believe the Bible. Here's why I da, 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 da. But also what you see is in these stories that Jesus comes to the people who are afraid. Jesus are, comes to the people who says, I don't have the answers, who are in distress. That, that's when he shows up. So you want Jesus to show up, but you don't want to be vulnerable. Uh, that's a, it's a tough situation to be in unless you're just hoping for a Paul moment where he's, you know, I'm just going to, you know, be there. Um, a big picture, maybe you don't want to give up a lifestyle, right? You've seen question number two, and, you know, I know if I become a Christian, I'm going to have to let this thing go, and I don't want to. And so I'd rather take my chances that there's a forgiving God that's going to be okay with me not doing this or that. A test to know if you're protecting yourself. 
um, would be, are you requiring those same conditions for other things? Had a guy, another guy I was talking to downtown. Um, he told me that he would believe in the Bible if he saw a picture of Jesus or something like he had written with his own hand, um, something signed. It was the first time in six months that I ever just laughed in someone's face while I was downtown. Because um, I'm like, you want an autographed copy of the Bible to believe it. Like, you know you're not going to get that. <laughs> um, <laughs> right? And so it's like, you, you've put this impossible condition up. Right? Because, because, right? And, so, and so again, are you doing that with other people? It's fine if you want to do that. But are you doing that with other people in history? Have you put those same standards on King Tut, King Arthur, Socrates, all, all these other people that you readily believe in with very, very, like one clay tablet with this person's name on it, and then it's like, like they're, they existed for sure. Um, are you putting those same standards? And what it comes down to is a lot, of, most of the time they'll say no and give a reason why, but it comes down to a very simple thing. If we found out tomorrow King Tut never existed, I imagine for most of us, unless you're a historian, you know, specialized in that area, it's meaningless to you. It's not going to matter. It doesn't change your life whatsoever. But if we were to find out tomorrow, like, obvious evidence that the Bible is true and everything it's saying, that's going to mean something. You, you know, even if you don't believe in God, if we were to find out the Bible was actually true, something in your life has to change. And so we put up these tough conditions to make it for the Bible to be true because we know if it's true, I got to change. And so then I would say to yourself, you may deny it, but you are protecting yourself because you know the implications. And the ultimate implication is that Jesus is God. When you look at all these stories, even people who, like the Roman soldiers, like, we'll believe you if you come down and do all this. And that never happened. But after he died and the earthquakes happened, they're like, that dude was God. <laughs> they didn't even get the evidence they asked for because they didn't, they didn't need it, right? In John's story, it never actually says Thomas touched him. But yet he says, my Lord, my God. And then Nathaniel's story, when he told him you were sitting in the fig tree, he says, oh, you are the son of God. Like, it's, it's always the ultimate implication. Because typically when we're protecting ourselves, it's we want to be our own God. Somewhere down the road, that's what it's coming down to. All right, last mindset. Is that, uh, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I'm not all in. Uh, what do I mean by that? Because there's definitely a sense we need to be all in. But um, oftentimes, sad reality, we're not getting our idea of Christianity directly from the Bible. It's our parents, right? Some politician or celebrity you've seen on TV, how your church did things. And it's, we see that it has to be all or nothing in that case. If I, if I can't agree with doing it like that person or that institution, then I can't do it at all. I just want to tell you, that doesn't need to be the case. You don't, you don't need to believe everything that your parents believe. You don't even need to go to the same church as them. Right? I, a lot of parents are like, oh, what are you doing? Don't say that. But especially for students in college or coming out of college, or I used to be a college recruiter, and that was a huge thing of 
the, the, the child needing to be verbally released by their parents and being told, it's okay if you don't come to church with me, right? Because often what happens is they either go to church with the parent or they don't go to church at all because it's, it's, it's all in one. I either have to do it the way I, you do it or I can't do it at all, right? You don't have to believe, you don't have to believe every uh, political opinion of the majority Christian group. You don't, you don't have to believe that the Bible is 100% literal in order to believe in the Bible. It, it's not all or nothing in this way. I would also say sometimes we think faith is 100% faith and 0% doubt, and it's got to be all in. Bible story. So that may not be the case. Uh, Jesus is walking on the water. Disciples are on the boat. They see him. Peter's like, hey, if it's you, let me come out there to you. Come, says Jesus. Uh, then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid, right? That's where Jesus comes. When you're, and, began, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and took hold of him, took hold of Peter. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Right? He didn't say you of no faith because you doubted. Right? The faith and the doubt could exist in the same place, right? Which, right? So this is, this, he's letting him know that this is possible, which I think this is like a, from a human perspective, kind of a, a jerk thing to say to somebody while they're drowning. Uh, <laughs> but I guess, I guess it's okay if he did it. <laughs> um, but Peter didn't, even though he, like, he doubted, he didn't not become a Christian while he was going down, you know, sometimes we think that it's like I'm losing some bit of my salvation whenever I'm experiencing doubt or questioning the Bible or questioning this claim. That's just not the case. The faith and the doubt can exist. Um, namely, when you look at when you look at all these examples, um, you know, sort of not being fair to them because the belief doesn't always refer to the same thing. The word belief, you know, it's different things that you are believing in and things like that. And so, and then the last sentence, the ultimate implication, right? Then those who were in the boat worship him saying, truly, you're the son of God. It always comes around to that last ultimate implication. And so what we see is there can be hard to work with is that there aren't really blanket statements on this. When here's what a good Christian 100% does. Here's what faith 100% does. And sometimes that's what we want because we want to just know we're doing it right. We just, if we're not doing it right, we just want to know what we need to do to do it right. So what can you do? If I want to get to know God, um, first I would say to you, you can have all the questions, all the doubts and you want. If you truly love Jesus, you're good. That's, that's the core of it all. That's, that's, that's what he's looking for, right? I just can't imagine for Thomas when he actually realized that this was Jesus, which there would have been no trick in Thomas. You know, for us, we could see a spirit, like we don't know what Jesus looked like. We don't know where he was actually stabbed or anything. Like Thomas would have known, you know, it's, hey, that's, that's my friend. You are my Lord, my God. Um, and he loved him. And I, th- I think that's what really mattered. Um, but I would say if you want to get to know God, simple answer Go where God says you can find him. Just want to go. If you want to find God, go where he says you can find him. Two things in particular, as we see at the end of this chapter. John says, if you want to know more, read this book. 
if you, if you, if you want to, Jesus did more things, but I wrote these things, I think it's verse 21, um, if you just want to reference it, right? I wrote these things down so that you can believe. So I would say, if you're just really interested in knowing more and getting to know him better, I would say go and read one of the Gospels, particularly John and Luke, because they say explicitly, this is why we wrote it, so that the readers can believe. And I would say study it. Truly study it. There's a difference, right? This, even though we're reading the Bible, we're talking about it, this isn't studying. It's nothing wrong with it, but it's not studying. The, the, your daily devotional, one scripture on your calendar each morning, that's not studying. Nothing wrong with it. It's good practice. But, like, get in it, study it, and look for the character of Jesus. And then look for that ultimate implication. Can I, at the end of this, say, if God actually came to earth as a person, what would it be like? Would it be him? I think you'll find that the answer is yes. Last thing is I believe we move to talking about discipleship as a church. Um, Jesus says uh, in Matthew, he says, what you've done for the least of me, you've done for me. Right? If you want to find him, go to the prisons. Go visit those in prison. Go visit those who are sick. Go talk to the widows. Right? Jesus tells the disciples plainly, that's where I'll be. That's where you will find me. That's when you will have fed me, when you have visited me, when you have seen me. And you're doubling up because you're doing that, and you're also being that faith-building experience to some of the ones who have every reason to, to be in that doubting phase of, I don't know where God is right now because I'm really, really going through something. So uh, last thing I want to do brought some books, some of my absolute favorite books, actually. And I'm going to give them away if you're interested. Um, Particularly um, for those who are struggling with something. If you just want it, now I'll I'll tell you to buy it. (laughs) But if you're like, I'm like, this is is where I am right now and I really want something, so, this is uh, this one's called "Is God a Moral Monster?" Uh, really like it. Um, this one is called "Discovering Jesus in the Old Testament." Right? If you remember in Luke, he Jesus says went through Moses and all the prophets and showed them all the things concerning him. Right? So Jesus is saying there's stuff in the, even though his name is never there, never mentioned. He's saying I'm there somewhere. This is a really good book on just pointing some of those things out. Um, can we still believe the Bible? This would be my personal recommendation if you're like, I don't know. I want one, but I don't know which one. Someone actually bought this for me because I lost my debit card (laughs) and didn't realize until I was at the register. (laughs) Um, But I really like that one. Is the Bible good for women? It's a good one going through some of those sexist verses and really talking about them. And then this one's called The Reason for God. It had a cover. I've lost it. If you want this one, I'll probably just get you a new copy because I've been doing some damage on that one. Um, And this one's a little more wordy as well. This is in response to a book called, I think, The God Delusion. Um, An atheist wrote a book, I think, called The God Delusion. And then this was the response to that book called Reason for God. Um, so if you're interested in one or want to come check out the table of contents, I'll just keep them with me. Like I said, giving them out, particularly if you're actually struggling or, or wanting to have a little more answers on some things. It's, it's all right to get answers.
all right? Um, so I will pray, and then we, and then I'll hand it back over to Miss Olivia. Um, so, all right. God, thank you for the your history that you've left for us and the word. Um, we ask that you be a faith-building uh, moment to us, to some of those listening, to those around us. Um, come to us, reveal yourself, uh, and let us want to know you more. Amen. You've been listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast, and we trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at solidword.org. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you next week.